Hey everybody, welcome to the Underswell Podcast. I'm Derek Sabori. I'm your host. Today we're going to do a little segment on um, sustainability chat. Actually, sustainability 101. So typically what I like to do on the show or what I've been doing is little bite-sized segments for you to learn about sustainability stories that are in the news, business stories, and really specifically talking to kind of the average non-sustainability professional. That means you are somebody who is interested in sustainability, interested in doing business better, interested in brands and products and solutions because you're hearing about the impacts that our products and um, uh, daily activities are having on the environment and the planet and us as people. And you want to do something different, you want to do better, and you want to be a part of the solution. So my job here is to sort of bridge the gap between the information and the knowledge that is in the professional sector and get it into your hands, um, the average person. That doesn't mean you're just average. I I see you as exceptional, you're beautiful, you're amazing, but uh, I think you get the picture. But um, here's what I wanted to address today, though, is a lot of people, I think get stuck on where to start with sustainability. So, and especially at home or in your personal lives. So if you are somebody who has got things under wrap and is um, completely, you know, kind of on to phase two of your sustainability journey, then this episode may not be for you. But if you're somebody who just is is exploring and says, I wish I could do more, um, I know I can do more, I want to do more with my family, I want to, I want to make better decisions, but I just don't know where to start, then let's continue to listen and let's dive in because I'm going to share a little bit of my journey, how our sustainability journey at home started and how I even got into sustainability as a profession. So goes back a few years, um, probably to 2005, 2006 um, ish, maybe 2004. I was working at Volcom and I had a great career there. I was in the product side of things, doing merchandising and design and you know a couple of the people that um, I was working with one of the designers my buddy Neil Harrison I remember specifically him just sort of having this viewpoint that products should be looked at um, in regards to what type of chemicals they were using how did they smell how did they you know how, how did it feel what kind of impact was that having on workers and that was never something that I had learned in school or that was discussed in business school. Um, and it started to you know, strike a chord with me and I really appreciated those values. And little by little, we just started to make some changes there at the company. And we put together a little society. It was called the Vecological Society. My buddy Ethan Anderson um, was a real advocate for that program as well. And he nominated me to be in charge of this um, Vecological Society, which was basically like a little eco club there at the company. And it was something that w- I was really interested in and I was really becoming passionate about. So I, I accepted that role, did, did the best that I could. But the more that I learned, I think the more people sort of looked to me as an expert. And I wasn't an expert in, in environmental impacts or sustainability or what we were referring to as green at the time. But the more the people looked to me for answers, the more I wanted to learn and the more I did want to become an expert. So little by little, we started making some changes at home and I eventually, you know, turned my career path towards that specifically. We watched, uh, we did a screening of the of an inconvenient truth there at the office and 
that movie really changed my life because it just helped me just go, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is this is where I want my career to go. I love this company, I love the brand, and I love the products we were making, but I wanted to do things different and better and kind of spread a message. So took it upon myself to make some changes at home. And this is where our personal journey started. We just started simply, I think one of the first things we did is just said, hey, we, um, you know, our city didn't have separated recycling bins. And our kids were just, uh, were young. We really wanted to make sure that they understood the concept of recycling and got to see it and physically watch it. So we dedicated a portion of our kitchen to uh, to the re- to recycling and made a little recycling center where you could sort your plastics and sort your paper and your cardboard and your glass. And it was a fun way for the kids to get involved and we had these little drawers for everything. But that was a, a step that we took that was like, um, that was easy. And we said, okay, now we're recycling. And what we did is we found that we could take it to our local community college and just donate the goods. And that um, they have a nice little recycling center at Orange Coast Community College, which is now, um, thanks to a few um, donations, major donations, is getting a, a major overhaul. And I think some um, some grant, government money, I can't remember which bond it was, but they'll have an amazing recycling center here for the community. But um, we started recycling. Recycling is super important, obviously, because um, often municipalities and cities they'll they'll get the the goods that you put in your single stream waste bin, and they do a good job on the back end of separating and recovering those things. I think there's maybe a little um, mystique around that, and a lot of people think that if it just goes in one bin, that it's headed to the landfill. And if you think of it from a municipalities um, standpoint, it makes no sense to just keep piling things into the landfill. So they actually will divert it to their MRFs, um, their material reclamation facilities, and they'll separate those goods typically. And you can even call and ask what type of um, separating facilities they have. But I've been there, I've seen them. The paper gets sucked up, you know, through vacuums. The the All the conveyor belts are rattling and sending the heavier things one way and eventually it starts pulling paper and separating glass and there's pickers there and eventually it goes through all these different lines and by the end you know a good portion of it i think it's somewhere like 60 70% has actually been reclaimed and um, sent to recycling but there's something to be said about seeing that recycling in your own house being separated and knowing that it went specifically straight to the recycler so Start with some recycling. Make sure you uh, your plastics, the ones that are of value that we like to recycle, number one plastics, that's a number one PET. Um, there's the number two, so always look for the code on the bottom of your, your plastic items. High quality is number one. Number two plastics um, are also somewhat desirable. There's the number four plastics as well, so those are high um, H high um let's see there's ldp hldp and i think just low density propylene or something like that ldp but uh, look for those codes plastic films can um like film bags not the real crispy ones but sort of those real flexi bags a lot of times recycle our recycling um central will take those separate those glass bottles of course aluminum cans of course paper don't send um, coated papers or some of those you know, bonded papers that have weird coatings on them. Plain paper, all the mail, all the junk mail, that goes. And obviously your cardboard, high value, that will go as well. 
So recycling, easy. Number five, plastics. A lot of um, food containers, food grade containers are number five plastics. Often recycling centers do not like those, but there is a program called um, Give Me Five. It's by a company called Preserve. And Preserve is a neat company because they take those number five plastics and recycle them back into products that you can buy. So for example, you can buy toothbrushes um, that are made from the number five plastics. Sometimes stores in your area might have collection bins for number five, but often I know what we do is we just kind of stockpile them up and send them back to them um, in a box, and I know that way that our number five yogurt bins and everything will, will go back into new products. So check out the preserveproducts.com website or um, their program called Gimme5, G-I-M-M-E, and then the number five. That's how your number five plastics get uh, recycled. How about food scraps? So depending on how, what type of uh, place you live in, if you're in an apartment or a home, but we started composting and that was really easy. We got a compost bin from the city and... Uh, once you start mixing your food scraps, clean food scraps, you kind of put some different layers of, it's, it's usually a wet and dry mix, so you can add in maybe some cardboard, or um, I like putting in when, when we get biodegradable um, food containers to go, I like to put those in there, because your compost likes a little bit of that dry um, mixture. It's, it's a really a, a chemistry exper um, experiment but we sent all of our food scraps to our compost bin. We also did some vermiculture, so we, we had a little uh, worm hotel or a little you know multi-layer worm bin, which is great for your garden. That's easy to do. You put your food scraps in, and each of these, once you dive in, you know the the companies where you get your product, they'll teach you the easy steps, but it's, it's very simple. And then you've got this great compost for your garden. It's just a neat way to watch your, your food scraps. You'll, you'll be amazed at how little actually goes to the landfill um, container now. Our area in Costa Mesa has an anaerobic digester now, which means they're actually taking food scraps and garden waste and actually meat scraps as well. So that's good to know. Ask around in your city to see what options you have. But there's also for meat and bones um, and, and all your kitchen scraps, especially if you've got a small place, there is um, there are things called a bakashi bucket. And there's a company called um, let's see, each one, how do we call it, how do we call it, uh, each one, teach one, I'm going to look this up real quick, but you can get a Bakashi bucket, and I believe you can get them at Whole Foods and other places, but these are great, they go right under your sink, and you can put all of your, um, all of your food scraps and meat scraps in this, and the, um, the Bakashi system breaks it down cleanly, and, uh, makes it nice to get rid of your food scraps. Um, what else? Uh, how about just even your reusable bags? Make sure that you are taking reusable bags with you. Take, make sure that you are taking reusable cups. Do your best. Um, every time we use a disposable cup, we're essentially just consuming more energy, creating more waste, and you know, um, having an impact on land because paper products come from trees, Trees um, provide oxygen for us to sequester carbon. 
and when we're cutting trees down for the paper products that we need, especially if we're cutting them irresponsibly, that can be a bad thing. So look for paper products that have an FSC certification on them. That means that the paper came from responsibly forested um, places. So I'm looking, uh, I'm jumping around here, but I'm going back to this, the Bokashi Bucket, B-O-K-A-S-H-I Bucket.com. That is one, that's the one that I am talking about. So go to their website. They've got the Bokashi Bucket.com. That's a cool little um, product. Uh, where were we? Oh, back to your paper products. So yeah, bring your reusable cup. Um, keep it in your car. Fill up your coffee with it. Fill up your water with it. Eliminate plastic, single-use plastic water bottles. So easy to de- do. It's just a habit. I know it is for people. But guess what? Every time you're you're holding one of those plastic bottles, you're using. You have so much to me, wasted energy and resources in your hand for that very small amount of water. So save your plastic water bottles for the times that it's just really hard to get access to clean water. Um, sometimes traveling is when you need them, but so many airports now have their refill stations. It's, it's awesome. So break that habit because it's way more resources than I believe are needed for that sip of water that you're going to have throughout the day. And your coffee, get in the habit of bringing your own coffee mug or your own, um, you know, steel container. There are so many good solutions now for um, reusable containers, um, both hot and cold or the vacuum sealed ones. I've got a Hydro Flask one now that I really like. Keeps your water so cold or it'll keep it warm all day. So easy solutions. Um, Solar. Solar is so cheap now. If we look at energy, so we've talked about waste. We've talked a little bit about your... um, um, reusable habits. A uh, couple companies too that we really like. I'm going to go back to reusables real quick because there's a company that I like. It's called Love Reusable Bags. So if you don't like the way reusable bags look, check out Love Reusable Bags. They've got these really fashionable, practical, and convenient bags. Um, they come three bags, I believe, two or three bags folded in a cooler bag. They've got amazing prints. They're based here in Costa Mesa and um, really like what they're doing. And, but if, you, if you're concerned with the fashion look of how your reusable bag looks, this is a nice way to keep them all orderly and looking the same. Um, your reusable vessels, there's Hydroflask, there's Mizu, M-I-Z-U. These are some uh, friends brands that we know that I'll give a shout out to, but these you can get reusable utensils, reusable metal straws, I love the um, campaign that is going on at Strawless Ocean, just reminding people to hashtag stop sucking. It's crazy how many plastic cups and how much plastic straws, how many plastic straws we're using and burning through just because we're so used to just grabbing and going and disposing. So that's what we're trying to avoid here. How about energy at the at our house? You know, we um, got solar panels years and years ago. We actually want to expand our array system, but getting into solar now is so easy. It's so inexpensive, often, you know, kind of cost neutral. You could do power purchase agreements. You can do a lease on the panels. You can buy them outright. So different financing options, but plenty of choices to choose from out there for solar. So... That's a way to get, um, re, you know, check your energy out 
and there's battery storage systems now. Last summer, I was out in Maui and I saw the Tesla um, battery system for homes. Fairly reasonable, reasonably priced, but really cool to store the energy that you create. But even if you don't go the solar route, make sure you're turning off your lights. Make sure your things are unplugged when you're not using them. Make sure you're not just letting the TV run um, when it doesn't need to. Just have a look around and um, conserve because every time we keep a light off or um, run the dishwasher only when it's full or run only full wash loads and dry loads or hang dry, we're using less energy, which is collectively helping to reduce emissions because most often our grid, our power grid, depending on where you live, I'm sure there's a good renewable energy mix in there. But there are still, you know, coal but coal burning um, plants in different parts of the country, and there it's not always a clean grid. So, the less energy we're using, the less impacts we're having on the environment. And sometimes it feels like the individual acts um, that we do at home don't really make a difference, and that may or may not be um, a good argument, kind of depending on your your viewpoint. But either way, it sends a message. And it is the one thing that is in our control to at least um, contribute to it. Driving, if you can, conserve your driving habits, you know, reduce the amount of fuel you use, consider a hybrid, consider a plug-in, consider a plug-in hybrid, consider riding your bike, consider walking. Every time we um, avoid a fill-up at the gas station is... Um, or even a plug-in, you know, it's um, the, the plug-in cars and your hybrid are going to burn cleaner and you're using less fuel, which is lower emissions. But um, obviously, if you can avoid driving at all and ride your bike, that's the, um, the best solution for the environment. So energy, waste, water use, obviously important, but all of us can, um, can keep an eye on the tap and lower our water. Set your, um, make sure your sprinkler system is not overly watering your yard. Look into drip systems. Um, have a good, you know, sort of a brain for scheduling your your water system, so you're not overwatering. And look at drought tolerant design options for your landscaping. Drought tolerant and native plants are a great way in becoming kind of the the hip look. So ditch the grass and um, look for things that need a lot less water, and you'll be good. What else is there? Um, Gosh, I think those are kind of the things to start with, and then you sort of go from there, and then then you go into your purchasing habits, and, and this is why this podcast is here to give you solutions on different products that are doing the same thing. So the goal is to do what we do, at our home and our personal life, and then go out and support restaurants and brands and companies that are thinking that same way collectively. And every time we support them, it empowers them to continue doing things better. So it's kind of a um, it's kind of a uh, a circle, a circular system that allows us to all support each other. So I don't know how how helpful that was. It was a little over. Um, you know, sort of an overall 30,000 foot view, but we can tackle some of these things more specifically. But I guess I wanted to sort of break down the barrier and let you know that it's very easy to get started. There are so many resources. If you live in the Southern California area, 
I would highly recommend that you check out the Ecology Center down in San Juan Capistrano near Dana Point. It's one of my favorite places to go learn about um, sustainability solutions and have get some good education with some amazing people, but they've got programs that talk about food, water, energy, rainwater harvesting, um, recycling, you know, they've got backyard skills workshops. So they're teaching kind of homesteading skills, um, everything from preserving foods to crafting beer to pickling, but um, a high focus on just all things related to a sustainable lifestyle. And it's a really neat community place. So I'm going to actually get with um, the founder, Evan Marks, soon here and do a podcast interview and ha- and have him introduce the Ecology Center more and tell you how he founded it and what his ideas were behind um, the creation of it. But it's an amazing place that I highly check out. Theecologycenter.org is their website if you want to learn more. So many resources, though. So if you ever have any questions, you want me to focus on something specifically and do some deep dives into things, let me know. I'm always taking requests. But this was sort of a high-level sustainability 101 crash course. Have a good day. Check back often and check out some of the other daily Underswell um, podcasts as well. Those are where we cover sustainability news and things that are going on with brands and businesses that um, are focused on doing business better and keeping sustainability uh, in mind. That's it for now. Have a great day.